0: It's the Pete Calliner show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Calliner is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. The show's made possible by folks like Ashley and Jan, Nancy and Rebecca and Taylor. Juanita, Curtis, Eric, Lori, and Steven, I appreciate all your support. Couldn't do it without you. Um, We're going to use a uh, a name today that I hope really uh, takes off Uh, I haven't had as much success with my previous efforts, like the words votainer instead of top vote getter, Uh, the "shio" instead of the stay home executive order. I'm trying to get that acronym to work, and I'm running out of time here because if they lift the "shios," then uh, I'm not going to be able to use the acronym. So uh, I would also like to uh, introduce another term, and I, I like this one better than Karens. You know what Karens are, you know what a Karen is. All right, so I want to replace Karen's with Gruber's. Gruber's. And uh, I'll explain why. First, let me tell you about Mattress Man stores. Uh, There are four of them in the Asheville area, uh, Asheville, Arden, Hendersonville. They do ship nationwide, though, and uh, that's important because they have a 120-day comfort guarantee, so it ensures that you're going to love the mattress. And if for some reason you don't, Love the mattress. They'll exchange it for free. They have all of their inventory, everything they have in stock. It's all at their website, MattressManStores.com. Now, if you're local, you can get the free white glove delivery service. This is five star delivery service. Uh, and if you use their website, MattressManStores.com, you can type in the discount code RestWell, all one word, RestWell and get an additional 20% savings off site-wide. So here's the deal. You can purchase your next mattress. And by the way, if you haven't figured out that you need a new mattress during all of this quarantining and self-isolating, then maybe you don't need one. But if you are realizing like, wow, I wake up every morning and I'm sore. I need a new mattress. Well, Mattress Man is available for you. Mattressmanstores.com. Go to their website. Look at all of the inventory they've got. Now, maybe you still want to come in, sit down, uh, and try out the mattress, right? I don't blame you. They don't either, and they're happy to oblige you. So they do private in-store appointments. Social distancing is observed. One guest or couple or a family unit, you know, is in the store at a time, one at a time. The card reader, the register are all sanitized after each use, and they provide you with single-use pillowcases that uh, that you can use so you can feel comfortable and you know that this, you know they're they're taking your safety uh, uh, seriously and they're acting in a responsible and safe manner. So uh, if you want to do the in-store visit, you can also do a video conference if you'd like you can do it over the telephone or go to their website MattressManStores.com. Experience the difference at mattress man buy local and sleep better. So who is Gruber? Yes, he's the bad guy from Die Hard. Yes, he is. That, that's, but that's not. Oh, sorry. So this is going to be maybe a problem with me trying to make Gruber happen. But I, I or just hear me out. Maybe, or maybe we go with Rolf. But Gruber, see, Gruber is um, is unisex. Can I say unisex? Am I allowed to say that? I'm, I'm not trying to exclude. Anybody from the definition here or the word? Okay, so it, it, it applies to everybody. It's just a last name, Gruber, Rolf Gruber. That's the character in, anybody know? Yeah, it's the character in The Sound of Music. He was the young guy who was courting like the oldest daughter of the Von Trapp family. And he was the one who became a little brown shirt for the Nazis. And remember he, he caught... Uh, the the family as they were leaving the what do you call it where the nuns hang out? I used uh, why do I why, uh, I'm forgetting the nunnery? No, I don't I don't know I don't remember the name. Uh, the convent. So they're leaving the convent where they were hiding from the Nazis. Remember after they they skipped out on the uh, the talent show and they're uh, they're hold up at the nunnery and or the convent and they uh, they're on their way you know racing out the back door and the uh, Rolf Gruber the boyfriend. He he encounters them, and at the end, what does he decide to do? Well, he I think he would have actually. I just remember you know my memory of the movie. I think he actually would have let them go, but the dad. You know the dad started in and started talking you know down to him, and that's when he was like ah right. he started blowing the whistle, and uh, alerted the Nazis that the Von Trapp family was there. So that's what that's what we're talking about here. The Grubers that there are so there are so many people that have exposed themselves through all of this as uh, little tyrannical fascists. Really, they're little Grubers. And I like this term better than Karen's because Karen is, uh, you know, it. It's it's a woman's name. Uh, I'm not trying to assign gender to anything. I'm just saying it's a it traditionally it's a woman's name, and also um, it it strikes me as uh, as like you know, there's a class effect going on there, right? And I'm not saying that there there isn't a need or a use for this term. Um, I'm thinking like HOA uh, uh, board members and such like definitely fit that sort of category. But I think the 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 insult, the derogatory use of this—oh, you're a Karen—I think it's just too all-encompassing. I think Gruber's is really narrowly focused to the kinds of little tyrannical fascists that rat out all of their neighbors. And you know, in this—you know—in this case of Rolf Gruber, it was his girlfriend and her family, right? Ratted them out uh, because they were, uh, b- right? Because they were part of the. What was the reason why? They weren't harboring Jews or Polish people or Slavs or anything like that. Was it just because, oh, it was because the dad wouldn't join the Nazi Navy or something, right? He was some big time, Yeah, he was like a big time military guy and really good for Austria. And, um, and then he wouldn't sign up with the Nazis. And so because of that, like, they were going to kill his whole family. And Rolf Gruber, you know, ratted him out. So that, I think that's a better term the Grubers. These are the Grubers. We have a local example. So our, our first example that I'm aware of, actually, <clears throat> in Asheville, let me see here, uh, the owners of the Mother Ocean Market, the Grubers. That's actually not their name. But I think, you know, instead of naming them, I'll just call them the Grubers. So here's what happened. There's a restaurant, a cafe, a diner, whatever, in Asheville. It's on Merriman Avenue in North Asheville, and it's called the Rise and Shine Cafe. I tried to go over to their web page or their uh, their Facebook group, uh, went over there, and but it's all locked down. It was, at least when I tried to get in, it was a private group. I think they may have even just completely deleted the Facebook page by now because the Rise and Shine Cafe opened in defiance of the governor's orders and the local order in Buncombe County, which, by the way, is more restrictive than than the state orders so as restrictive as you think the state shio is the bunkum shio is more restrictive yeah like for example if you were thinking about coming to uh, uh buncom county to hang out for a week we, right now and this may change by the way come friday when the governor modifies or decides whether to modify his Uh, statewide executive order, the county may follow suit and change its executive order. But right now, as it stands, if you were to come to Buncombe County from out of state, and let's say you got a hotel room and you wanted to stay for uh, a week, you would have to quarantine yourself for the entire week. You have to actually quarantine yourself, according to the local order, for two weeks if you are traveling into Buncombe County from out of state. Two-week quarantine. That means you don't even get to leave your Airbnb for groceries or essential items. Like, you have to have somebody bring those to you, right? It essentially shut down uh, all hotels, all Airbnbs, everything. You, you can't operate like that. Who's going to come uh, and, uh, and get a room knowing that once you get here, you can't leave, right? You better have a really good view and you have better uh, you'd better bring a bunch of food and supplies cuz you're not going to be able to leave the hotel room. <laughs> so, uh and again, that may change come Friday when the governor may or may not modify his his order. The county has generally followed the state guidance on this. Um so there is this cafe, Rise and Shine Cafe, Merriman Avenue in Asheville and uh, according to WLOS TV, One Asheville business is receiving some attention after reopening over the weekend. A spokesperson for the Asheville Police Department told News 13 they received three complaints regarding noncompliance with dining restrictions over the weekend at the Rise and Shine Cafe. Officers were dispatched to the restaurant on Saturday and Sunday, according to APD. On Sunday, officials witnessed noncompliance and issued a verbal warning. On Monday, May 18th, as a result of persistent noncompliance, a spokesperson says that the Asheville Police Department issued a citation to the restaurant. Was it shut down? No. They do not have the jurisdiction to shut down a restaurant. That would have to come from the health department, they said. The Asheville Police Department put out a statement saying that APD recognizes and understands that this is a very confusing and difficult time, these uncertain times I've heard, for everybody in our community. However, in a further effort to protect those at high risk and to minimize the spread of COVID-19 in our community, APD strongly encouraging everyone to comply with the uh, Buncombe County Stay Safe, Stay Home Order, or as I like to call it, the shh, it is not our intent to criminalize those who do not comply, but rather educate individuals on the intent of the order with a warning or advisement. However, if the behavior persists, APD will consider the use of citations to gain compliance. Um, the DA, Todd Williams, not commenting because it says uh, he says the case is pending, uh, he did in a statement, though, to WLOS. He did say that local business owners are strongly encouraged to comply. You notice, you notice the language that you keep hearing is encourage. <clears throat> that the APD is encouraging businesses to comply, the DA is encouraging people to comply, the governor and Health and Human Services Secretary and the sheriffs—they're all encouraging people to comply. Why? I mean, I get that. Yes, you want to encourage people to comply, obviously. So, but. What is it also sort of betraying the fact that, right, there's very limited things that they can do to force you to comply? So they're encouraging compliance, and they'll issue you a a, a citation, which I suspect is going to get dropped at some point, because uh, I'm not sure you've been following what's been going on around the country, but a lot of these state orders are falling based on constitutional uh, encroachments. So- Uh, I suspect there are a lot of people who are now looking at these orders and saying, I don't know if we can actually defend all of this stuff. So they're essentially trying to run out the clock. This is why I believe that Governor Cooper is going to lift some more restrictions. I think he's going to say we're going to phase two. And they'll find a way to rationalize it. They'll probably say, you know, plateauing or, you know, uh, they are declining, but not declining. You know, we'd like to see, but... Uh, you know, barring any kind of like really bad spike in the numbers or something, I don't see how the governor just politically, the pressure that's building right now, I don't see how you avoid modifying the uh, the executive orders to start loosening more of the stuff. I mean, he got smacked down by the federal judge uh, on his restrictions that targeted the houses of worship, right? You got restaurant owners that are now starting to open up to varying degrees because they can't, these businesses... You know, they 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 got maybe a week or two of cash reserves, and maybe they got some money from the federal government to, to, to uh, like a bridge loan to let them survive for another month. But we're going now two months in North Carolina. You know, our governor shut down this state back in March. And you can't ask small business owners to just go out of business. That's what I mean, that's what you ordered them to do. You said go out of business. And these people were like, well, if you had good food, you could, you know, issue uh, or do better takeout numbers. You can't. A takeout business, the model for running a takeout business is much different than a dine-in services business. And if you have built your business uh, to be dine-in, you have a lot of area in your building that you use for dine-in service. Think about it. Have you ever been, all right, well, this is, there are other examples, but have you ever been to a place that just does takeout, like a uh, like a Pizza Hut or a Papa John's or something like that, and then all they do is takeout, right? They There are no tables in there. Right? So when you walk in, what do you have? You have one counter, you have like a couple seats to wait for your food to be ready, and that's it. What does that mean? It means much smaller square footage, lower rent. Right, Less money to heat and cool and all of that. Well, if you're opening a restaurant, you want to have dine-in service for you know, up to 150 people at any given time. That's a much bigger space. So now you're paying for all of this space to heat it, to cool it, and it's not being used. You don't need it. You're running takeout. This is what I mean. People who, people who have no idea what it takes to run a business, let alone a restaurant, making all of these decisions for restaurants... And assuming that they can't do uh, business responsibly. Like for some reason, oh, we trust like the lawyers, you know, like a law firm. We totally trust the law firm to be engaged in business responsibly. We totally trust you, certain businesses, you're essential. You're a lawyer. So you get to stay open. You get to practice your social distancing and hand sanitizer and all this other stuff. You get to practice more or less as normal. But a restaurant? No, sorry, you're, you're done because we don't trust you to implement the same sort of uh, recommendations that we're telling everybody else to implement. Then and they're allowed to stay open. And the reason I point this out is because there is um, an interesting twist to this story. The Grubers, who called in the complaint, who ratted out their next door neighbor, they've been open. They've been open. As a business owner right next door to the Rise and Shine Cafe. And the Grubers called in the complaints against Rise and Shine. So, listen to this. This is from the uh, Citizen Times story by Mackenzie Lunsford. Rise and Shine Cafe reopened over the weekend despite COVID-19 restrictions. Now deleted, social media posts on the restaurant's Facebook page captured a 7 uh, 7 p.m. March 17th Said, I think that may be May. I think that's a misprint. But um, Anyway, the owners in this Facebook page said that reopening is not a political statement. Quote, I am simply providing a place for people to work so they can put food on their table. It has nothing to do with politics and everything to do with people's need to work. It's a sad day in America when small businesses and their employees are being harassed for trying to survive. There was also a post on the Reopen NC Facebook page that shows the owner of Rise and Shine with her arm around Ashley Smith, who is the activist leading that group to reopen North Carolina businesses. Uh, So not practicing the social distancing for the photograph. (laughs) As of 11 a.m., May 18th, by the way, this is one of the other things too. Social distancing, you're trying to stay separated, six feet, you know, as much as possible. Does that mean you're always going to be able to do so? No, it doesn't. I mean, could you imagine all of the Grubers running around, ratting everybody out for, oh, they weren't six feet away from each other, for, like, simply passing somebody in the grocery store one-way aisle, right? You want to walk past somebody. They're not social distancing. I mean, technically, right, if you got enough Grubers with enough cell phones on, you know, at the ready to dial the authorities... (laughs) <laughs> uh, a post on the Reopen NC Facebook page shows the, these two and so I think that's really what drove a lot of people nuts is that the Reopen NC activist leader this Ashley Smith lady I think what drove folks nuts is that she went to this store and had her picture taken and posted it up at the page and when, uh, when that photo got seen I think that's what prompted a lot of outrage as of 11 a.m. May 18th, so yesterday morning, North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services tallied 19,023 lab-confirmed cases of COVID-19. So 19,000 cases across the state. The North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services reported 42 additional cases of lab-confirmed cases in Buncombe County. That's a 31% increase since the May 15 figures were released for a total of 176 in the county. Now, what is not mentioned in this article is why. Why? Why are the numbers up? Why are there an additional 42 cases in Buncombe County, lab-confirmed cases? Why? Well, increased testing. And, by the way, there's a lag. It takes days to get the test results back, depending on which tests you are using. So these test results could actually be from like two weeks ago or a week ago. And where are they occurring? Do we know? Are they at the congregate care facilities where most of the outbreaks are occurring? These hot spots that erupt, is that where this is happening? Not mentioned in the article. This is the this is one of the problems when you're just reporting the numbers. Oh, we have this many cases. Okay. This is well, what does that mean? There's zero context provided there, right? Zero context. You're just telling me how many lab confirmed cases there were. Well, we're ramping up the testing right? We also know that that the vast majority of people that get it survive, and a lot of them don't even know they ever had it. And so that's why you heard a lot of people demanding to know, well, what are the numbers of recovered? How many people have recovered? That's what that's about, is trying to figure out um, what the context is for these numbers. Adjusting for inflation, consumer spending at eating and drinking places in April, Plunged to its lowest level since October 1984, according to the National Restaurant Association. Asheville Independent Restaurants Executive Director Jane Anderson estimated that three to 4,000 workers in independent restaurants in Asheville have lost their jobs. Three to 4,000 people lost their jobs. So, the Rise and Shine Cafe would be among them. Rise and Shine Cafe says, you know what? workers, and I don't know how many workers they have. Let's say five, right? Five workers. We're going to stay open. We're going to try to keep you working. We're going to keep trying to uh, uh, get income for you, right? As long as you guys are interested in doing this, we're going to do it. So the owner of Mother Ocean Market, Asheville, a seafood market that shares a wall with Rise and Shine Literally right next door. Um, by the way, if you uh, know this area on Merriman, it's the uh, it's the two story building. Um, what's above it? Urban Burrito is up above it. Um, so it's like this two story, like balcony kind of a setup uh, with businesses. And so uh, Mother Ocean Market Asheville is uh, seaf- Mother Ocean Seafood Market. is right next door to Rise and Shine Cafe, and the owner. And his fiancee, um, uh, they're the ones who ratted out Rise and Shine. So the fiancee, uh, she visited the restaurant to complain and was asked to leave the premises. Oh boy, I bet that really upset Ms. Gruber. Uh, Mr. Gruber said the officers came to the scene and then departed. So this was the over the weekend. So. Ms. Gruber walks in and says, you shouldn't be open. You're in violation of the order. And they're like, you can leave. Get out of here. Please leave our uh, our business. So then they go and call the cops. The cops then come and then they leave. Um, Mr. Gruber then uh, said that his Facebook page, uh, since all of this has occurred, has now started getting negative reviews. <laughs> right. People are now going on to their, onto these businesses Uh, Like their Yelp accounts, their Facebook and Google reviews, and spamming them with bad reviews or good reviews, right? So now there's this whole war over the reviews. Uh, Meanwhile, Mr. Gruber expressed frustration at others flouting the guidance that he follows. He says, quote, it's disrespectful for the ones that have stayed open and worked our butts off. We wear masks every day and my hands are sore and cracked from washing. Again, why do you assume that the people at Rise and Shine are not doing these things, too. Are they just, like, ignoring all of the uh, recommendations, right? Are they, are, are they seating everybody, like, all on top of each other? And maybe they are. Maybe they are. Uh, he said many of his customers are older than 60, which is why he takes extra precautions, including limiting the number of people in his store and providing sanitizing stations. Uh, he's doing it to protect the health of others, not out of fear. See, so he can reopen... And be careful and protect everybody, but not the person next door. Not you. I can do it. Not you. I know what I'm doing. I care about people. Not you. I'm better. There is this. There is this current of uh, of superiority complex that is pervasive in so many of these Grubers. All right. One more point on this in a minute. This show is made possible by Schaefer Smith, scrambling to set up or improve your website. It can be overwhelming. It was for me. Uh, so let my friend Schaefer Smith at Schaefer Smith Design help you out with logos, graphics, photos, and online store. He does search engine optimization, website maintenance, and security for professional services, corporate, small business, and entrepreneurs. Schaefer Smith. Make your site look professional, user-friendly, not just for your customers, but also for you. So you can get in there and do what you need to do with your website, and you can adapt more quickly. SchaeferSmith.com. That's SchaeferSmith.com. Also, the show is made possible by Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. If you are thinking of buying or selling your home, call the only agent that I would call if I were. That's Rowena Patton. 333-4483. That's 333-4483. She understands the COVID-19 times here have impacted everybody in different ways, and you may need to sell your home. Uh, But maybe you're thinking you can't even hold an open house right now. Good news, Rowena has offered walking tour videos of her homes since 2007 on every listing, just like the real thing. That means buyers can tour your home without having to leave their home. Start out with a video consult with Rowena at 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and then start packing. And the show is made possible by Old Grouch's Military Surplus. If you're looking to be prepared for disasters and pandemics and such, do you need some advice? If you're looking for real military surplus... For more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It's an old-school, traditional store with a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim. He'll hook you up. You can also text him at 565-2497. That's 565-2497. You can make an order, ask about an item, get some advice. By the way, EMS, law enforcement professionals, if you're looking for uh, uniforms, send him a text. Make an appointment at Old Grouch's military surplus across the street from the anti-aircraft gun on main street downtown clyde and at oldgrouch.com all right so the last point on the grubers uh, that tried to shut down are still trying to shut down the rise and shine cafe on merriman avenue in Asheville. these are uh, i'm going to read to you a series of tweets from local radical activist david forbes who Uh, I used to interview regularly when he was a reporter at Mountain Express, and uh, he's just uh, lost it. He represents a mentality uh, that is loud and does indeed have some measure of influence strictly within the progressive moonbat base uh, of the Democratic Party, which, as we know in Asheville, dictates primary victories in the city elections and by dictating primary victories uh you then send these people into the general and when they get to the general they're up against if they are up against if they're even republicans running they'll be up against more conservative republican leaning candidates who definitely lose because the democrats in asheville will never vote for a republican you know they'd rather vote for an insane person as long as that person is a leftist Which I know is kind of redundant, but they would rather vote for that than vote for anybody who is not a leftist, even a moderate can't even get past uh, the primary season. That's the kind of outsized influence that these kinds of radicals have. But here is what he said on Twitter about all of this. He says, hey, Asheville, remember this? And he's got a big poster. Uh, that apparently was put up at some public housing complex, you know, uh, where it said, you know, socially distance, you know, and like had these little drawings of people in there. Uh, apartment windows, you know, talking to each other across the courtyard or something. He says, remember this? The cops and Asheville government were all too happy to threaten public housing residents with arrest, but rich white business owners like Rise and Shine, who outright brag about endangering the public, get genteel visits and reassurances. Okay, I'm not really sure what the genteel visit and reassurances, and I'm not really sure that people in the housing projects wouldn't get the same sort of visit, Right. If any at all, they got, they literally got a poster put up at their housing complex and that's it. I'm not aware of anybody getting citations in public housing projects in Asheville. Nobody is getting arrested, right? If anything, they're getting released from jail, right? So nobody's getting arrested, David. Nobody in the projects are getting arrested. But see, David's not happy unless he's angry. That's kind of his shtick. Um, He says, uh, it took a massive public backlash for those owners to even get a citation. I don't know if it took a massive public backlash. It took it took people calling the cops. It took the Gruber's next door calling the cops. That's, that's what it took to get a citation. Um, he then says, if you want to actually protect communities, especially from plague profiteers like Rise and Shine, social pressure and outraged action do so. Cops don't. Protections, not their purpose. See what I mean? He's angry at a lot of things. He, yeah, he, he, he thinks Asheville should just be turned over to the collective, uh, where nobody works for anything. They just all, you know, play music and write stories and uh, regale each other with tales of grandeur. Uh, and uh, somehow or another, the money comes in from the rich people. I, I, I'm not sure how that model works, but uh, that's as best as I can figure out. Um, the plague profiteers. Do you think do you think Rise and Shine is profiting off of the plague? Do you think anybody is profiting right now? Do you think any restaurant open, closed, dine in, service only, or, or uh, takeout service only? Do you think any of these restaurants are actually making profits? The ignorance and arrogance necessary, right, to conjure up that thought, let her, let alone articulate it in a tweet to let others hear it and read it and see it. Like I can't even fathom that level of ignorance. Hopefully, this is what he says, hopefully, rise and shine will be shut down permanently in the coming days and weeks. An example to any other business that spreading a virus to rake in cash is not something we'll, people will put up with. Spreading a virus to rake in cash, to rake in, rake in cash. Because... <laughs> You know all those people that got so wealthy running a egg and biscuit cafe, <laughs> and and I love this um, this ability that David really uh, has to he just captures this idea that he speaks for a great many people. And maybe he does. I don't think so. I think it's part of a delusion that uh, that that he he thinks he's articulating this belief for so many people. And, ma- and again, maybe he is. I don't think so. But maybe he is. From what I understand, this restaurant has been doing pretty well since people are, it, like, they want to go support it now that they're aware that this place is open and they're being targeted for shutdown. They're being targeted by radicals like David, right? So maybe that's the, um, maybe that's why he says they're, a, they're, they're, they're profiteers. This idea that, like, like they're smuggling guns or something to both sides during a war, <laughs> It's a a restaurant, dude. It's a restaurant. Do you you take the same position for like a barber? Right? Is a barber or a hairstylist, uh, are they they plague profiteers as well? Are they? You count those among the plague profiteers? Spreading a virus to rake in cash? Because at the heart, what is he saying here? At the heart of his attack, what is it? Lives versus money, right? That's what he's saying. Lives versus money. I mean, he dresses he dresses it up because he's a good writer. He dresses it up in a much fancier version, but at the end of the day, that is what he's arguing: that this is a lives versus money, and he has decided uh, that the superior position to adopt is that I'm for the lockdowns as long as the government tells me to engage in a lockdown. Which is funny because there's so many people that are involved in his whole scene that are, you know, self-proclaimed anarchists. Yet here they are rolling over for GovCo. Whatever GovCo tells them to do, they're going to go do. No questions asked, right? You're not asking whether or not, well, wait a minute. Is this, is this a high-risk behavior? Is it? I don't know. How are their seats spread out? Nobody has been, like, that's the amazing thing. None of the reporting on this story gives you any indication, like, well, where are the tables? Are they spread out? How are they doing this? Is it just business as usual? Are they ignoring all of the recommendations? Or are people wearing masks when they go in there? Are the servers wearing masks? Have they done contactless things? Are they sanitizing the registers and stuff like? Are they actually taking steps? Because, like, I'll tell you, Christy and I, uh, we went to a brewery the other day, and uh, I mean, all of their outdoor seating areas all you know closed down and stuff, but they had uh, their, they they had uh, essentially turned uh, like a, a bar that that is open to the street. Um, they turned that bar area into a counter. And so they were just selling cans over the counter, you know? And so you could get beers to go. And so I mean, we've only done this like, I think, twice, trying to help out some local brewery in our neighborhood by buying a couple beers from them. And um, like, so what? Like, they were wearing masks we you know they you know we'll, we'll sanitize this pen after you use it and christy says oh i brought my own pen because she always carries <laughs> pens so like why do we trust them to be able to do this but not rise and shine cafe or, or are they profiteering are they profiteer or is it only profiteering if you don't follow govco's explicit demands then it's profiteering see i'm confused right what's the consistent application of this standard and this idea that, oh, people aren't gonna put up with this. And I heard somebody say, Oh, yeah, they picked the wrong town to do this in, like, why is that? Because this town is packed with people who roll over for GovCo? Is that is that why? No, because we care about people. Except of course, business owners that are going out of business, right? The employers Of the three to 4,000 restaurant employees, we don't care about them so much. You're all about the unchained Asheville. You're all about no chains in the city. We don't want chain restaurants. Uh, Meanwhile, you're going to destroy a locally owned business like this. You're going to take them down because they're trying to keep their people fed and housed. By the way, you know what's happening at the end of the month? A lot of these uh, executive orders that are being rolled back, you know what rolls back with them? eviction prohibitions. So a lot of these folks who have not been able to work for the whole month, they're going to start getting evicted come June 1st, right? Yeah, your government. Um, if that doesn't happen, he says, if it doesn't happen, this is, he says, hopefully that this restaurant will be shut down permanently as an example, right? This is David blowing the Gruber whistle, you know, blowing the whistle. You know. I forget what he, I should pull the sound bite. Yeah, I should go pull the soundbite. Where he pulls pulls out the whistle, he starts, Captain! Captain! And, And all of a sudden, the Nazis start swarming the area. Yeah. So hopefully, they'll be shut down permanently. And if that doesn't happen, we're all in danger. Because other businesses will start taking their cue, and the floodgates will open. This is why I said earlier, we're really getting to see who the little tyrannical fascists are in our community. He's, he he concludes his tweet storm by saying, "This is why that whole success time to reopen BS from the Asheville government has consequences." Yeah, uh, David uh, David believes that the Asheville city government is run by conservatives uh, and uh, right wingers. I'm not kidding; it it's true. He does believe this, um, and. Um, and, the, and the, uh, the gentry, he uses the term gentry all the time, unironically. Um, and he says that uh, this is why uh, there, you know, time to reopen BS uh, from the city is, has, this has consequences. It creates a false sense of security. It emboldens far right. It emboldens the far right. And it signals that uh, to businesses that restrictions aren't serious. Uh, yeah, no, I think you uh, I think that's a stretch. Uh, I will say this. The weekend stand at Pack Square with a sign protesting the conditions of service workers in Elbonia crowd like that group. You guys are the Rolf Gruber's. You're the modern incarnation of Rolf Gruber. You're ratting out your next door neighbor because she's trying to keep people employed, because she's trying to give them a paycheck, because they're about to lose their apartments, their houses, Can't put food on the table. And I know for people uh, who uh, look to GovCo to solve all the problems in some Faustian bargain, like I understand for you guys, you don't understand why somebody wouldn't want to do that. Um, But there are a lot of people that don't want to do that. There are a lot of people that refuse to do that. They do not want to go and uh, stand in a bread line so GovCo can give them their food uh, rations for the day. They don't they, they don't want to do that. They they want to work and they want to be productive and sitting at home all day long uh, is not good for a lot of people's mental health. And just because it may be good for your mental health, right, just because you're OK hanging around all day long, sucking down the bongs every. No, I'm kidding. It's a, I know cheap shot, but sometimes I take them Um But like, honestly, there are a lot of people that are totally fine with the current situation. There are a lot of people that are like, oh, okay, so I'm going to get this check and I'm going to hang out and there's no social stigmatization on me for staying at home. And I'm just going to sit here, uh, you know, I'm just going to pull bong hits all day and play Xbox, watch Netflix, right? Seriously, there's a, there is a, I'd be curious to know what population like as a percentage of the population I'd be very curious to know uh, how big of a contingent that is. I suspect uh, a lot of the people who are uh, able to work from home and are enjoying working from home when you uh, that that group is probably about the same size as the other group that is now totally fine with um, with this sort of new normal not having to go to work right? Uh, just a guess. I have no idea. Now, while David screams for quarantining and more restrictions and, and penalties and punishments for anybody who uh, doesn't toe the line, um, I would point out that uh, that his hysterical reaction to, to this restaurant is uh, a bit contrary to, dare I say, the science, because the science, the data, the facts are that two-thirds of the coronavirus deaths in western North Carolina are actually linked to nursing homes. Yeah, congregate living facilities. The Citizen Times had a story the other day by Joel Burgess uh, finding that the 17 westernmost counties have 52 deaths, according to the Department of Health and Human Services data. And of those 52 deaths, 35 of them, or two-thirds, are linked to congregate living facilities, nursing homes and residential care facilities, right? Those types of places, right? Nearly all of the Western North Carolina facility-linked deaths, so uh, 35 deaths, almost all of them, 32 of the 35 deaths in Western North Carolina happened in one place, Henderson County. Three of them were in Polk, right? Right? The big outbreak that occurred in Henderson County, what, two months ago? That's the driver of our data. The nursing homes have been ground zero for this, uh, for this virus, for, for the deaths from this virus. And treating every place else as if it is the same is, dare I say it, unscientific. From the story, reacting to the death's figure provided by the Citizen Times, the county's top elected official, Buncombe's Board of Commissioners, Chairman Brownie Newman, called for expanding nursing home testing beyond state recommendations. I found this to be really interesting. Maybe you will too. Here's what Brownie Newman said, Chairman, Democrat, Chairman. Quote, this highlights the need for regular testing of staff who work in nursing homes and similar facilities who have close contact with residents under their care. Uh, He advocated for changes prior to the local nursing home infections, and he said, quote, because many people with COVID-19 are asymptomatic, regular testing is essential to detect active cases before widespread transmission of this contagious disease to our vulnerable seniors. But... County public health officials have largely followed state guidance, which has recommended testing any patient with signs or symptoms of COVID-19. DHHS also recommended testing staff and residents of a facility where a case is identified. But state guidelines have not called for testing asymptomatic individuals in facilities with no infections. Do you hear that? The state guidelines don't call for testing people regularly at all the nursing homes, regardless of whether there's somebody there with symptoms or not. So if you have a nursing home and you don't think anybody has it, nobody's presenting symptoms, you're not doing any testing. You're not required to, right? This is pretty amazing because the nursing homes, these long-term care facilities, residential facilities, they are regulated by the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. If any sector of our economy, of any industry uh, uh, could have uh, the most sort of direct impact from Department of Health and Human Services, this would be it. DHHS could go in and say, you guys need to do testing of every patient or uh, every resident rather, and every worker. And you need to do these tests multiple times a day. You need to be monitoring for fevers multiple times a day. They could come in there and say that to them. They could, but they haven't. They haven't made them mandatory. On the afternoon of May 15th, so this would have been about three, uh, about four days ago, the DHHS issued new testing guidance with some changes for nursing homes. And the new guidance now says people who live in or have regular contact with high-risk settings should have access to testing. That's what the new language says. That these people now, not that you should get the tests, not that we're going to mandate you test everybody, but that you should have access to testing. What does that mean? Well... The Citizen Times reporter, Joel Burgess, asked the DHHS spokeswoman, Katie Armstrong, and she said she was not sure if having access was the same as recommending tests be done. They don't even know what they're telling us. They don't even know what their own guidelines are and what they mean. They're not even... They Well, you should have access to the testing. Okay, does that mean we have to test? We're not sure. Well... What are you saying then? Sounds like there's no change at all. Sounds like the agency directly responsible for regulating nursing homes and congregate living facilities where the outbreaks have been occurring, not at the Rise and Shine Cafe, they've been occurring at the nursing homes, generally speaking. Unless, of course, you know, you got a subway system packed with New Yorkers who then flee their state and seed the spread of this thing all over the country. Thanks, New York. Um, but you, you have these facilities that are, that are regulated by DHHS. And DHHS is not telling them that they need to test. They're just saying you should have access to the test. If you're, in, if you're coming in constant contact with these patients in the nursing home, or if you live in the nursing home, you should have access to the tests. We're not telling you to test. We're not telling you how often to test. We're not telling you anything else. We're just saying you should have access to the testing. <laughs> this, is, this is lunacy. What are we doing here? If you know you are in a high-risk setting, you're working with high-risk people then you should be having the tests done more often. It should be happening, and it's not. So I'm sorry if I can't muster up the outrage when a restaurant says, you know what, I'm going to pay some uh, workers here and uh, we're going to open up and we're going to try to keep people safe as best we can. I mean, for crying out loud, people, they can't do worse than the nursing homes have been doing, right? I mean, seriously, seriously. Do you think a restaurant could could seed? the spread of this virus worse than uh the subways worse than the nursing homes worse than prisons worse than um uh meat packing facilities meat processing facilities i mean really like what's the standard <laughs> what what would you measure success to be that the restaurant is doing a good job or a bad job is it somewhere in between prisons and meat processors or what no 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 i know Gruber's going to Gruber. All right. So I mentioned the subways, and uh, there was a report that came out in the New York Times last week uh, that uh, showed how New Yorkers seeded the spread of COVID nineteen throughout America. Yeah, uh, which was really weird. is there were like they literally had a map, and it showed you where everybody was going in different. Like I guess they did it by a geo or a GPS tracking and phone systems, and once people came and like we had a case here in, in Western North Carolina, right? Somebody showed up from New York and they were in Buncombe or or Henderson County, I forget where, uh, and they yeah they they were from New York and they had it. This is what they did. This is what sort of like uh, these liberal elites from New York they all uh, they all uh, fled the city, right? So you had the subway. Which wasn't getting sanitized and cleaned, um, and you had the subway system uh, packing people in, spreading the germs, uh, spreading the virus. Uh, which uh, we we went over that like what a month or so ago. The 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 study that laid the infection patterns over the uh, the subway routes, showing that the that's where this all uh, uh, that's why it became ground zero. Then. Uh, From there, you have all of these New Yorkers that are like, oh, my gosh, now I'm infected. So they all flee the state and they go seed it in all of these other states and cities. Notably, the um, uh, I'm curious, like the the folks who fled New York and went to Los Angeles. I don't get that one. Like, I got to get out of this densely populated germ cesspool and go to Los Angeles. That's where I'll go to escape (laughs) the virus. I don't. Whatever. People make crazy decisions in panic. Uh, if they are honest, says Michael Goodwin, a New York Post columnist. If they are honest, historians judging the American experience during the coronavirus pandemic will excoriate our barbaric failure to protect the elderly. We think of ourselves as civilized, but mindless policies and bureaucratic indifference turned many nursing homes and rehabilitation centers into killing fields. At least 28 1,000 residents and workers in long-term care facilities already have died from the virus, according to a New York Times analysis done more than a week ago. That represents one out of every three uh, COVID-19 deaths, one out of three deaths recorded in the U.S. were at long-term care facilities, residents and workers. Okay? Um, And by the way, uh, that uh, is likely an undercount because of reporting lags and varying state methods. This massacre of a helpless population shames America and Washington must find out why it happened and who's responsible. Elderly people in these institutions could not protect themselves, and because most states banned visitors early in the outbreak, the institutions, their regulators, and elected officials were fully obligated to shield them against infection, and they failed miserably. The Times found 14 states where more than half of total deaths occurred in facilities for the elderly. And North Carolina is on that list. 57% in North Carolina. 57% of the deaths are at these facilities. The states with the most nursing home deaths, New York and New Jersey, actually didn't make the list because there are so many other deaths. Yet, more than 10,000 people died in their facilities. The 5,500 nursing home deaths in New York are more than the total deaths in all other states except New Jersey. Florida got the message. Florida understood because, by the way, March 8th, we knew this. Early March, March 8th, we knew that nursing homes and other long-term care facilities are ground zero, right? That was what the former head of the CDC wrote on CNN back on March 8th. So we all knew this. Florida got the message. What did they do? Despite its vast enclaves of long-term care homes, it reported fewer than 750 deaths in all of them, slightly more than one in each of the 650 uh, 615 facilities, okay? So they went about uh, trying to secure these facilities, and they averaged one death in each, less than one death, or uh, sorry, yeah, slightly more than one death in each. Not that I'm saying that's good, but I, it's better than New York. The striking contrast between Florida on the one hand and New York and New Jersey on the other can be traced largely to policy decisions by their governors. You know what I'm going to get to here, right? They issued identical orders in late March, well after we knew that these were ground zero locations for outbreaks, right? And the the governor's orders were that if, you, that if you're a nursing home, you have to take a patient being discharged from the hospital um, with COVID-19. You had to take them. The orders barred these homes from even asking if the patients had the virus, lest they be discriminated against. Those politically correct orders quickly became death sentences as infections spread like wildfire. Despite the surging death count, Governor Cuomo in New York defended his directive for more than six weeks. He reversed himself only last Sunday, ruling that patients must test negative now before hospitals can send them to a nursing home. Yet he insisted that the initial policy, quote, worked. Well, I guess it did. If you're trying to kill people, then it worked, right? If more than 5,000 dead people is success, then success. Now, I'm not sure what failure looks like, but yes, your policy worked. Cuomo's reversal also included forcing nursing homes to test staff and administrators twice a week at the nursing home's own expense. There was no explanation why testing was not required all along, just like there was no explanation why they waited two months to sanitize the subways, right? Nursing home executives have been complaining that they were never consulted and they got no notice before being swamped with infected patients. So while all of the Grubers are focused on restaurants that are trying to keep people employed, right? while everybody's focused on that, they're ignoring where the truly at-risk population is and how that those facilities have become ground zero uh, for the deaths. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. And remember, please subscribe to the podcast. Give it a thumbs up in the reviews. Uh, you can use whatever your favorite podcasting platform is. Uh, and also maybe consider becoming a patron of the program. You can get cool stuff, exclusive content. I'm working on stuff. Actually, I was working on stuff last night. It's going to be pretty cool. Um, Links are all at thepetecalendarshow.com and in the description of the podcast. Thanks so much for your support. We'll talk to you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.